Now, you know who else does things like that? Vicki Gunvalson. Now, had Vicki Gunvalson done that in that moment, do you think that Tamara Judge would have had the same reaction? Absolutely not. She does that and she jumps on Shannon and carries it over with Shannon because number one, she's weaker than Tamara, in my opinion, of course. <laughs> she's weaker than Tamara, so Tamara finds her as an easy target. Number two, she's she's upholding this storyline. If Vicky had done that, the quote, OG, Tamara would have laughed with her. She would have said that Jen is overreacting. She would have been right alongside with Vicky. This is not just another housewife podcast. Celebrity gossip. Consuming my brain. You cannot tell me that for the last two years, all of these dates have not been blocked off with NFL stadiums. It is all happening. I'm Brett, and this is the Oops I Gossiped Again podcast. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a great week. It is finally a week where we can put an end to two major things. Number one, Real Housewives of New Jersey, and number two, Vanderpump Rules. I am not going to go too deep into a lot of Vanderpump Rules things. There are a few things that I want to mention after watching the Secrets Revealed episode. There are a few things I want to talk about briefly on Real Housewives of New Jersey. And also, I know I said on last week's episode that I did not care about Real Housewives of Orange County, but I just finished watching Wednesday night's episode, which was the second episode, and it was giving me very much old school OC vibes. So we are going to talk about that a little bit as well. But before I get into anything, I want to let you know there will not be a podcast episode next week. That is the week of Friday is June 23rd. And I'm going to tell you why, because I've been waiting for a very, very, very long time for this, a very long time. Swifties, you will understand. My daughter and I, along with some of our friends, two of which we went and saw Taylor in Reputation Tour in Chicago. On Thursday, we will be leaving for Minneapolis and we are going to the Eras Tour night one in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am beyond excited. I've been a little bit nervous watching because as all other Swifties do, you know, we watch those lives on TikTok that look and sound terrible every Friday and Saturday night for the last three months or whatever it is. And PSA, I will not be going live. Do not come to my page to go and see a live of Taylor Swift. I want to fully be immersed and enjoying it, but we have been waiting for so long. Of course, on those lives, we've been seeing her have a cold. She's been coughing a lot. I mean, she's no Morgan Wallen who has a, quote, voice problem and has to shut down, right? She's rocking three shows a weekend now down to two, but she's been rocking three shows a weekend doing, you know, three and a half hours. Obviously, girl is going to get sick, but I've been watching these lives and I'm like, please don't, please don't, please don't, please take some rest. Please go to sleep. Please do everything you can to take care of your body because we just need to make it to June 23rd. <laughs> so there will be no episode next week. We are traveling Thursday. I record on Thursdays. Of course, the podcast comes out on Friday. 
I just, I don't have the bandwidth for it next week. The only thing that I am focusing on and putting all of my mental energy is into manifesting that we will have a surprise guest to do exile and evermore. Exile preferably being number night one. <laughs> Their tour, Bon Iver is on a world tour right now and their last show is actually in Germany on June 19th. And he lives in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which is like an hour and 20 minutes from Minneapolis. So all of the pieces are coming together so that I can manifest that this, that exile is going to be our surprise song. And I have put everything I have into that theory. So that is my only focus next week. There will be no episode. I will come back to the pod next week and give you a full rundown. I'm sorry if you're not a Swifty, but the moves that this woman is making with this Eras tour is incredible. And I can't wait to share my firsthand experience with you here on the podcast, but no episode next week. I will be back. Actually, I will be back. The next episode will then be June 30th, which is my birthday. So maybe we'll have something extra fun on my birthday episode. We'll see. Okay, let's dive in. First, I want to talk about Vanderpump. We're going to, we have always led with everything and kept Vanderpump for the end. Let's switch it up. Let's lead with Vanderpump. We finished the reunion. I think we were honestly getting to a point where maybe... Even the cast was starting to feel there's something wrong with Rachel. Maybe she didn't fully deserve the hate that she's gotten and really knowing like she needs help. She doesn't know her identity. She really needs to. But then Bravo's like, hold up. We have another episode for you. And it is These Secrets Revealed. And in this episode, which aired this week, we see a lot more. We see... The abs, you know, that word that keeps coming up from everyone in the cast, diabolical. Okay, first of all, Tom Sandoval, which we never knew this. Tom Sandoval, you remember that apartment that they had in the beginning of the series where he and Schwartz and Jax lived and, the, you know, Jax and Kristen, they had hooked up in that, that bedroom. You turned on the microwave and if the microwave and the air conditioner were going at the same time, all of the electricity went out, you know, that apartment that gross apartment. We find out that Tom Sandoval has actually had that apartment since he moved out of it and moved into Valley Village with Ariana. Now, Ariana's brother has been subletting from him for the last two years. And in the beginning, we see Schwartz, Sandoval, and Ariana going to the apartment to clean it out and allegedly get rid of it. Now, she says, my brother's been living here. He left his couch there. They take like the few random things. It It's very weird scene. I understand why they deleted it, but it was just a weird scene because it wasn't like they actually did anything there. They just filmed there for the moment, I guess. But do we, we don't know if he ever actually, after that, got rid of it. Has he had this apartment the whole time? Does he still have this apartment? Could he have moved his egocentric ass out of that Valley Village home and into that gross ass apartment and let Ariana have her space? Does he still have it? Was he taking Raquel there? I have so many questions. And the deleted scene in that just like blew my mind. I, you're giving me more questions. However, then we get a deleted scene that is literally not even the next day. It is hours Less than 12 hours after the night of guys night, after the alleged first time that Tom and Raquel hook up, this bitch shows up to Ariana and Tom's home in the morning while they're having coffee with flowers. 
with flowers. She and Charlie come walking in. They have this weird exchange, her and Tom, where he's like smirking. She's laughing and he's like, oh, long time no see. You look so different. I haven't seen you in so long. And they're like hugging. It's fucking disgusting. You mean that 10 hours after you fucked her boyfriend in a car, allegedly, you come to their home, their shared home, and bring her flowers? Again, diabolical. And they sit there and Ariana's like, I need you to tell me what happened after I left the girls trip. Like, how did this all go down? She proceeds to tell the entire story about Oliver. And he is sitting there on the couch with like this weird smirk on his face. This deleted scene, you know, the big revelation at the end of the reunion that we were all going to be so shocked and everyone is going to be shocked by that. That didn't, that was not even anywhere near what this scene was. This scene was diabolical, absolutely diabolical. And poor Maya, the dog, is sitting there giving Raquel the biggest side eye. This dog knew. She knew. (laughs) She was giving Rachel that side eye. She was like, "Uh uh-uh, bitch, you are not disrespecting my mom. Get up out of here. It just goes to show that there were so many ways. I think it was actually Schwartz. Even in one of that word vomit episode of Watch What Happens Live, where he was like, I think they just became too blatant. Like they got too comfortable. These two were too comfortable the day after. They were clearly too comfortable immediately after. But again, does that mean that it was one time? It was that first time? I don't think so. I feel like this moment, this scene, really proved that their comfort together was for good for a long time. They had been doing this for longer than that first night after Guy's Night when she shows up 10 hours later with flowers in Ariana and Tom's shared home. For every single person that came into my comments and were trashing Ariana and Lala and James for going so hard on Raquel in the reunion, which I think was very much well-deserved, Again, I do hope that she's getting the help or she has gotten the help, but this is this is why. These are the things we didn't see. This is why she deserved every single moment of that. The sheer audacity. Not just her, the two of them together, but coming into that house with flowers and smiling and hugging him and everything that just went on between the two of you the night before, it's disgusting. We also found out in that episode that in the very beginning, Tom Schwartz and Katie were still living together for a couple months while they were trying to sell their home while they're getting divorced. And there's been so much talk of, you know, Ariana and Tom not getting out, but this When you have so much money wrapped into a home and you really don't have the financial means or you don't have the ability to get out and have somewhere else to go, sometimes it's the only option. It's not about standing your ground or who's going to win what. It's just you don't always have an option. And it really... It felt good to see Katie kind of getting to her own place in that scene alone. You could still see that there was a lot of hurt with Tom Schwartz, but it's not just it's not just Ariana and Tom. It was Katie and Tom too, and we didn't know that. There were a lot of things that Lisa Vanderpump apparently had shattered her leg on a horse ride. All kinds of things we did not know about. And I really feel like Bravo could give us 
a year's worth of content, a year's worth of episodes, put them all out on Peacock. I'm paying extra for them. Like, why not give us more? But we are officially done with Vanderpump Rules. I am hearing rumors. Now, when I say rumors, I'm saying this is coming from Dumois. I'm hearing rumors that there is a Valley Village spinoff. And this would kind of coincide, I think, with The idea that Lisa Vanderpump is, you know, I I said before, I felt like that one, the finale that was supposed to be the finale, I felt like it was a series finale. I really think she's trying to move away from Vanderpump Rules and away from Sir. We do now know that she is casting for uh, another show that's like the people that work at her, you know, villa in France. It's really giving me, I don't know if you remember, and I can't remember what the name of it is, but Lindsay Lohan had a show like this a few years ago in Greece. It's kind of giving me that vibe, but she's casting for that now. So that's going to happen. You know, she has the restaurants in Vegas and I know she's planning on doing more in Vegas. So maybe if this Valley Village spinoff thing is real, it will kind of follow the same people, hopefully. Not all the same people, but it'll kind of follow the same group. And as they move on into different areas of their life, which I think is something that we've kind of been asking for on Vanderpump Rules as it is. And they tried to take it in a way and add, you know, younger cast. If we don't have a spinoff, I'll, you know, obviously be still watching Vanderpump Rules. If there's a spinoff and then they try to keep Vanderpump Rules, but still bring in younger people, I feel like the demographic is really going to go with that Valley Village type spinoff. And I think that they're going to do very well with it. Whereas I think Vanderpump Rules, if it's a different cast, is kind of going to get into its flop era. But we'll see what happens. Moving on to Real Housewives of New Jersey. This reunion was extremely hard to watch. It did not by any means need to be three parts. It could have been one episode and we still would have gotten all the same information that we received in three episodes. There were three hours of nothing but Teresa and Melissa screaming at each other incessantly to the point where Andy's losing his shit. We as viewers are fucking exhausted. And Andy has said it numerous times. You two don't grow up. You two do not evolve. You two are not getting anywhere. No one, no one got to a place of anything. And the minute that Teresa walked off the stage, Andy knew it. He was like, this is not going to continue unless I get rid of these men and I'm shutting this reunion down. He knew in that moment that nothing was going to change. I'm surprised he actually did not cut it off much earlier. It was hard to watch. It was sad. It was a waste of my time. Jersey has been my number one housewife franchise of all time. This season has completely ruined it for me. I don't think that they can come back with Teresa and Melissa both on the show. I think they both need to go. I do think the show can exist with Teresa. Yes, I I think she's good TV. I think when it's not about this fight with Melissa and Joe, she can bring other things to it. But the fandom has gotten so bad, so, so bad that I don't think that it can move forward with both of them. If Teresa stays, they can't have the husbands because Louis is a liability to no end. The fact that he is even being accused of these things, and in my opinion, seems very likely that he could be doing, if not some of them, if not all of them, all of these things, 
I don't believe everything that comes out of Margaret's mouth. I don't necessarily believe that he called her son at work. Why her son has all of a sudden become a storyline in so many different ways when she refuses to ever talk about him and we don't actually know anything about him is crazy town to me, but that's neither here nor there. It, no matter what, if these allegations are true or not, he is a he is a liability. He is a walking red flag. He is a creep and he is going to bring problems not only for Teresa, because I, I do, I think he is bringing her into a place where she does not need to go back to. But for Bravo itself, I don't think it's a good look to have him on the show. Now, if Teresa and Louis were to go and Melissa and Joe were to stay, then they win. And that is forever going to be the high and mighty. I don't know how many times I can say this. It To me, it's not about Melissa. I don't think Melissa is a bad person. I think Melissa lies just as much as Teresa does and doesn't get nearly the amount of hate for it as Teresa does. But it's not about Melissa for me. It's Joe. And it's always been Joe. Melissa, I think, enjoys the spotlight because I think she likes to have a good time. I think she likes to have on display. I think she likes to have that. But Joe, it's like, it's feeding. It, it's almost giving a much scarier Tom Sandoval. And I say much scarier because he gets very aggressive, physically aggressive and always yelling in a way where Tom, I don't think he would ever actually act upon it. Joe makes me nervous. Joe makes me worried. So I get so upset when people come in and start labeling me as a tree hugger and what, I, like it's not about Melissa versus Teresa. My worry is Joe. So if Teresa goes and Joe and Melissa stay, Joe is going to eat that shit up. He won. It, like not that Melissa won, he won. He is going to be the top dog. He is going to change this show. It's all about him. Teresa is no longer the star. Joe Gorga is now. And then we have an entirely different show. It's no longer about the real housewives. I posted on, which I thought this was hilarious. I found last night that John Fuda is doing cameos now. Him and his, you know, 22,000 followers on Instagram. His one big moment where he stood up to Louis in the part three reunion. He is now doing cameos for $50 a piece. And I'm like, these men on this show and the comments that people are like, we can get rid of the wives. We just enjoy the husbands. They're not fun. They're not fun. They're actually kind of terrifying. They're all following suit of Joe Gorga, who is actually scary in my opinion. They're not fun. Like, why are they the stars? If that's what you want, give them a different show, get them off of the Real Housewives and give them something else. And I am never going to have to fucking watch it. I don't watch Housewives for the husbands. And we've talked about this with Jersey for so long that they get a cut. They are the only franchise that gets paid. Then give them their own show and give them a paycheck. Stop trying to bring them in. But if Melissa and Joe stay, then Joe wins and it's going to be very scary, I think. Because it's not about Melissa. It's about Joe. And he just, I, he rubs me the wrong way. I don't like it. And I saw a theory actually that someone said, if Joe and Melissa do not return, we could see that those two divorcing in the next few years because he no longer has use for her in the spotlight. And he would go crawling back to Teresa if Teresa stayed on the show. Now, this kind of, for me, really solidified my viewpoint of him. 
it's almost like Melissa's, you know, the housewife and she's on the show and he just gives me that type of vibe that he could do something like that. I just don't think that the show can go on with either of them on. I I say that I think Teresa is a good TV because she knows how to bring in drama and entertain when she's not at the forefront of it. But she can't be on if she's married to Louis. She cannot be on because he is going to drag her so deeply right now that I can't bear to watch any more of it. Someone else came in my comments this morning actually and said, what if they fired Marge and then see what happens between the two of them? And I was like, gosh, that's so interesting. Because once again, let's come back to the real thing here, which I try to say in just about every single video and nobody ever listens. It's Marge. Marge has been the problem. Marge is the one that comes with the ammo, you know, from her arsenal. Marge is the one making up stories. Marge is the one spreading the gossip. She and her husband. And let's not even talk about that weird relationship that they have with their assistant. I think something's going on there. Marge is usually at the center of it and nobody wants to address that it's so quick to put blame on Melissa or Teresa but it's Margaret so maybe if Margaret was out of the equation which I hope no matter who goes who stays I don't really give a shit she better be gone because I can't handle her anymore she always seems to be in the middle of it one way or another so really all we got out of the reunion is Louise a, a creep and a you scammer 1000% agree Teresa and Melissa need to grow the fuck up Joe Gorga and Frank Catania need to just shut their man mouths they tried to bring up this story of Frankie Jr. and Louis and Dolores is like you're not talking about my kid shut it down this is what really happened I don't want to hear about it and what do they do they keep going And to the point where Dolores has to look at Melissa and be like, can you tell your husband to stop? This is why the men are the problem. I don't care what you think about them. This is my personal opinion. I don't think that they have a place on this show. I don't think that they deserve to have a platform on this show. If they want to have this platform, if they want to continue this comedy tour, go off, continue the comedy tour, sell out the shows, do whatever, or beg Bravo for your own show but you're ruining Housewives of New Jersey. And the one thing that I wanted to hear about on this reunion was BravoCon, and they did not touch on it. Now, I don't know if it was discussed and it was just glazed over, but I wanted to hear the argument. I wanted to hear the story, not the argument. I know it would be an argument, but I wanted to hear the story between Joe and Melissa and Jennifer Aiden. And I wanted to see, because I wanted to know how Bill was going to react. I wanted to see if he was going to confront Joe on this because we saw the video, we saw the footage. We saw the footage of Jen throwing a plastic cup of which she claims was water. And we also see the footage of Joe and Melissa screaming at her, not just Melissa, not even Melissa first. It's Joe while Jen's husband is not there. I wanted that. I needed to see that interaction. I want to know if Bill stood up for his wife. I want to know if Bill came after Joe Gorga for that. I want to know if they apologized for that. I want to know what their side was. And it was never discussed. There were also all these envelopes. John Fuda had envelopes. Margaret had envelopes. There was so much shit that they cut out because all they kept putting in was Teresa and Joe screaming at each other. What a waste 
of fucking time. If you've been following me on TikTok for long enough, you know that I like to recap my favorite Bravo television shows or any other reality shows that are happening in the morning while I drink my coffee. And something you may not know about me is that I put a lot of effort into which mugs I use while I spill the tea for you. I feel like it just sets the tone for my day. And one of my favorite places to order mugs from is Babeco. Babeco creates products that empower people to give the finger to societal norms, to be unapologetically themselves, to use their own voice, and maybe even swear a little. Far too often, society tells us who to be, how to look, how to act, what job to have, etc. And they want you to run that over with a car. Be yourself unapologetically and live life on your own terms. Badass, bold, and empowered. At Babe Co., can you not only find mugs that will say exactly what you may be thinking to the person sitting across from you that needs to take a breather, but they also have shirts, jewelry, home decor, all of the things to fully express yourself. And if you've ever seen any of my mugs while I'm spilling the tea on TikTok, you may be wondering, where can I get that? So now I have teamed up with Babeco so that we can get you 15% off of anything in their store. You will find some of my favorite mugs under the drink section, but also don't hesitate to look at the home decor and jewelry and clothing line. All of the mugs are 16 ounce mugs. So if you like a big pour of coffee each morning, these are for you. And there's also some glasses. I've even snuck in some of the drinkware that I've gotten from Babeco to my grandmother and she's never even noticed. And yet it makes perfect opportunity for us to all giggle. You can click the link below in the show notes or go to wearebabeco.com and use Oops I Gossiped Again and get 15% off. And don't forget to tag me in your Instagram stories when you're pouring your coffee into your favorite mug and ready to listen to the tea. Go to We Are Babe Co. and get 15% off with the code Oops I Gossiped Again. Okay, so I know last week I said that I did not care, nor was I really that excited about Real Housewives of Orange County. I thought bringing Tamara back was really grasping at straws to bring back the, the series itself, the franchise. I watched the second episode this week, and I have to say it was just really giving me that like old school vibe of Real Housewives of Orange County. It made me think of that pool scene where Tamara threw the glass of wine at Gina Keogh. You know, it's just, it's very much giving me that. But Tammy Sue returned. Tammy Sue. And if you are an OG OC follower, you know we when Tammy Sue comes out, things are getting weird. And honestly, the best part I think of Tamara coming back is Sandy. I love her mom. She was cracking me up in the first episode where she was talking about like being in the guest house with her boyfriend and everything. I love her mom. I really do. But Tammy Sue is a different person. So let's talk about the episode of the second week, because I don't think that really the first episode really gave us a whole lot. Let's talk about the second episode. First of all, Heather Dubrow has an entire Costco in her basement for her children going to college. I was like, that's the level of crazy I aspire to be. That's not even about wealth. That's just OCD, obsessive, compulsive that Heather truly is. We have newcomer Jennifer, Jen Jennifer. So she is a yoga instructor. She allegedly met Tamara. She used to go to Cut Fitness, which simultaneously... Eddie and Tamara are in the process of shutting down cut fitness, but we have Jen and Jen is a soon to be or is divorced mom of five. I'm, I still don't really understand that dynamic. I think that they still are married, but they're not quite yet. I'm not really sure. She and her ex still have a home together, but he works in Oklahoma. So when he's there with the kids, he's at their shared home. She also has a live-in boyfriend named Ryan, who we find out she actually had an affair with. Now, Gina is asking her about this. 
She's claiming that they never had done anything sexually until she had ended things with her ex, but they were having, she had admitted to an emotional affair. So right off the bat, I'm really actually enjoying Jen because she seems very straightforward. She's not denying it. She's, you know, flat out saying, yeah, I did this. I had an emotional affair. Emily's like, I think that's even worse. And she's like, yeah, I agree, you know, but we never did anything. We never even held hands. Gina, I think, is kind of being triggered by it because she had been cheated on, but she's being very respectful. Jen just seems to me as though she is going to be that person that's going to be open. She has a big heart. She has fostered children for many years. They have five children. They've adopted one. I I am liking her. I really, truly am. Of course, we have Taylor Armstrong, who is the very first housewife to ever jump franchises. I think it's interesting because I have said before, I think that Heather should be going to Beverly Hills. Maybe the two of them swap. I have always liked Taylor. I really, I think she was going through such a hard, horrible time when she was on Beverly Hills and now she's grown from that and healed through that and in a very much different place in her life. I think I'm looking forward to it as long as it doesn't become team Tamara and Taylor is like this cheerleader for Tamara all the time. But the real story here of episode two, well, one and two, and which will likely be Tamara's storyline probably the entire season, is the rift between Tamara and Shannon. Now the Trace Amigas, obviously Vicky is gone. Unfortunately, we see her come back. I am, Vicky is like my least favorite housewife ever has been and always has been my least favorite housewife. I think she is just not a nice person. I think she treats people very poorly. She, I just don't like her. Okay, let's not get into Vicky. She's gone. She does, however, make appearances we see in the trailer. However, the Trace Amigas are broken. The Trace Amigas have been broken since Tamara left. Since Tamara left the show, there seems to be this rift between Shannon and Tamara. Both of them have two different sides. Tamara claims that Shannon just ghosted her. Now, Simon, Tamara's ex-husband, was diagnosed with cancer. Tamara was going through a lot because she was really worried for her kids, understandably so. And she claims that she really needed Shannon in this time and that Shannon, quote, ghosted her. Now, Shannon is like, that's not true because what you did is you left the show and then went and talked shit about me in the press, which Tamara does not hold back. If someone asks Tamara a question, she talks shit. She has her podcast that all she does literally in every episode is talk shit. She makes statements to the press. Tamara's excuse is that that was after you ghosted me. And we don't obviously know the timeline. Both of them keep saying, I have, I have receipts. I have text messages. I have calls that prove it. Well, then let's see it. I want, we know that Bravo can take that and put it up on the screen. Let's see it. Right off the bat, I am going team Shannon here. Now, Shannon is a neurotic person. Shannon is overdramatic all the time. Shannon is quite honestly, a little Looney Tunes. Okay. In my opinion. And that is not a medical, I am not knocking mental health. She's just, she's a little out there. So when Tamara says things like I was there for you through all, you know, your divorce and you're this, and you calling me in the middle of the night when you're drunk, I, I believe it. I believe it. And I do feel for her in that way. But she has to have boundaries of her own. She doesn't need to be answering the telephone. I put my phone on do not disturb every single night. The only people that can break through that do not disturb are my immediate family in case of emergency. 
Everything else for me when I'm sleeping can wait until morning. Tamara could have put up boundaries with Shannon because quite frankly, the only way that Shannon is ever going to learn anything is with boundaries. No one ever puts boundaries up against her. And I think maybe that's why she has those rifts with her boyfriend, John, because I think he does do that in a way, but nobody else ever does. So Tamara never put up boundaries. And so she was answering the phone call. I get where Tamara is coming from in saying that I was there for you, but now we don't know. Shannon claims that she was absolutely answering her messages. And it's like Tamara can't, she spit something out there. And then Shannon's like, but I did get back to you. And then she's like, oh yeah, well maybe a few times. Like she's a deer caught in headlights. It's almost as if she knew that all of this was going to be the storyline when she came back. But she has talked shit about her for the the two years, two, three, whatever years it was that she was gone. She was talking about her. She didn't have anything good to really say about anybody when she left the show. And it's all in print and it's all in her podcast. So it's not like she can deny that she was saying those things. She said them. You have to be on Shannon's side here. They go on this boat party, which incidentally was Gina's party, but she ended up getting COVID. So Emily is there doing all the decorations, all the things. And they go on this boat and it seems as though throughout the day, things are okay. But I almost feel as though Tamara is waiting for every single opportunity for Shannon to fuck up that she can intertwine herself and she can make it about her. So there's a moment where they're all sitting around this table having drinks and Jen is talking about her foster situation and how they adopted their youngest son. And of course, Shannon, in her own oblivious world, is like, oh my God, is that John's son? And she starts paying attention to the boat next to them and she's screaming over the conversation. I will admit it was a little, it was a little rude. Shannon always does this. Shannon is always living in her own world. Again, a little bit Looney Tunes. Now, you know who else does things like that? Vicki Gunvalson. Now, had Vicki Gunvalson done that in that moment, do you think that Tamara Judge would have had the same reaction. No, absolutely not. She does that and she jumps on Shannon and carries it over with Shannon because number one, she's weaker than Tamara, in my opinion, of course. (laughs) She's weaker than Tamara, so Tamara finds her as an easy target. Number two, she's she's upholding this storyline. If Vicky had done that, the quote, OG, Tamara would have laughed with her. She would have said that Jen is overreacting. She would have been right alongside with Vicky, but it's not Vicky, it's Shannon. So Tamara uses this as an opportunity to get Jen, who is her friend. Coincidentally, Tamara tells on an interview, I think it was with E!, that something happened at Cut Fitness and she was absolutely shocked that this girl was on the show. So she's already playing up like they're really good friends and that they get along really well, but something has already happened before filming. Uh, Honestly, do you think maybe Jen was shocked that you came back? Maybe Jen was asked to be on and you all of a sudden just came back out of the blue. Okay, anyway, we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. We'll find out what happens with them later in the show. But she's already using this as a way for Jen, the new girl, to come up and be on her team. Now here's where Tammy Sue shows up. Emily, who I think won this episode, Emily is trying to be a voice of reason. She is not trying to take sides. She is not trying to defend Shannon by any means. She's trying to let Tamara know this is what Shannon is feeling because Shannon is calm and cool and collected. This is what Shannon is feeling. 
You need to maybe take some accountability for the things that you said as well. But she doesn't. She never does. And then Heather plops down in the middle of them. And now Tammy Sue is screaming. She has a, that's my opinion moment. You know, she starts screaming like that as she does because she has no other way to get her point across other than screaming. And it's like, okay, here's where things are going to go down. Now they sit down at this table and Tamara immediately jumps in on Shannon again. Shannon is calm. Shannon is just like, listen, yes, I know. I understand how you feel. I get it. But I felt this way too. And Tamara is screaming. Tamara then goes on when Emily once again tries to say, this is how she's feeling. This is just what she's trying to say. She goes on to tell Emily, watch what you do because I will hurt you. And Emily's like, you're going to hurt me? (laughs) What? So now we're physically threatening Emily. Then she threatens Shannon to throw a glass of wine at her. And then she threatens to jump off the boat. All the while, she is continuously saying, Shannon, you're just a drunk. You're just a drunk. All of those drunken fights, all of this, you're just a drunk. And Tamara is visibly hammered. I've been there, girl. I have seen pictures of myself at times where I should have gone to bed hours ago. You get that glazed look, you know, it's, it's happening right in front of our eyes. And she is sitting here screaming at Shannon, calling her a drunk. Tamara does not know how to take accountability. She will die on that horse and she is probably going to do it the entire season. But I did enjoy episode two. (laughs) So I'll take it. Like I said, it just gave me very much old school OC vibes. If we could just have this without Vicki Gunvalson ever showing her face, I think it would be much better. I would like that a whole lot better. I do believe that at some point there will be a reconnection between Tamara and Shannon because there was, uh, I did a video on this. There was a screenshot. Tamara, Vicky, and um, Shannon were all seen at a restaurant filming together at one point. And coincidentally, it was actually the day that David had first filed for divorce from his ex-wife. Now, since that has happened, they reconnected, they got back together, they filed again, they got back together. They just recently both filed again and someone has a restraining order on the other. I can't even remember, but it's a lot with those two as well. But that day was the first time that there was a divorce filing happening And the Trace Amigas are having a lunch together. So I'm assuming at some point things get cleared up. But for now, I am on Shannon's side here. Yes, she might be a little bit kooky. She may be a little bit overdramatic. But Tamara is coming in hot, trying to have a storyline. At some point, maybe we'll get an apology out of her. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Those are my recaps of the episodes, the Real Housewife episodes this week. The only other thing I want to mention before we bring this to a close is that the Roni Ultimate Girls Trip has begun. The ladies officially took off to St. Bart's this week, and there is a lot of buzz going around the internet. I don't really believe it, but there's a lot of buzz going around the internet that Bethany and Jill have both been very quiet. They're not really sharing on stories. They're not really doing a lot. Now, Bethany has said numerous times that it would take a lot of money that Bravo probably isn't willing to pay to go back to Roni. Now, would she go back to Scary Island with Kelly? I highly doubt it. She's in a place in her life where I don't think that she needs that drama, 
but she has been a little bit quiet enough that it brought me to start trying to compare the backgrounds of Bethany's videos to what the backgrounds of Ramona's videos were. And someone sent a tip to Dumois saying that on the 12th of June, they saw Bethany and Paul out in the wild. So I don't really believe it, but I, I wanted to address it because I know that there's a lot of rumors and people talking that are saying that this is true. I did a video on it. I tagged Bethany. She does follow me. I was hoping maybe she would see it and put her in her two cents in, but still waiting on that. But that's what we have for the week of Real Housewives. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Let me know in the comments what you think. Are you watching OC yet? Are you enjoying it? Are you happy that Vanderpump is finally over and we can all just kind of take a collective break? Are you relieved that New Jersey is over? And what would you like to see coming in the future for New Jersey? If you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoy all of the episodes, please follow the show. Leave me a rate and review. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. Remember, there is no episode next week as I will be off hanging with Taylor Swift. (laughs) And I will be back with you on June 30th, my birthday, for an all-new episode. I hope you have a great weekend, and I'll see you in the next episode. Bye.